Hi everyone, welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is Naomi, your host, and today we have the pleasure to chat with the founder and CEO, aka Chief Idea Officer of Cartology and host of the longer game, Michael Moore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, as we discussed earlier, right before hitting recording, today's topic is going to be from e-commerce seller to agency owner. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the show specifically is because uh, going from PL, brand owner, to agency, you're going to become the one who was served into the one who's serving people, you know, and this is... This is a huge step and it's super important to understand. Otherwise, you cannot become really efficient to working with sellers. Um, before starting officially, uh, would you mind giving a short bio on you, like uh, who you are and tell me about your story? How did you become from a peer brand seller an agency owner? Absolutely. So again, thanks for having me on. You know, I mean, I appreciate it. And like I was saying before, you're one of the very few people over the past couple of years that I've met in person first and then had a, a video conference with. So it's uh, it's an interesting and nice change of pace. And I'm looking forward to getting more out there this year. I am first and foremost a human. Um, so everyone out there just know I like connecting with other humans. That's a, a big part of, of myself. Um, and I can talk more about, you know, my my purpose and how that plays into what I do with my agency, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm married. I got married when I was 22. I got married very young. I'm 36 now. And all my, yeah. Okay. You got married when you were young. 22 as well. Okay. Yes. Yeah. My wife is 24 and everyone, like a lot of my friends at the time who I'm not really friends with any, or I'm not friends with anymore. They thought I was crazy. And I'm like, dude, when, when you figure it out, you'll, you'll be fine and you'll, you'll get it. Um, and I have a nine-year-old daughter, so that keeps things very interesting. Um, but I run an agency called Cartology, and we're really going deep with brands, helping to stand them up on the the Amazon marketplace specifically. Um, look, you know, starting to expand into things like Walmart.com and trying to find ways to just be as helpful as possible. Mm-hmm. But you know, my my story really was, you know, the in, in a nutshell was I was someone who uh, I am a musician. And that's what I loved doing in, in junior high and high school and college. And I was in a band, was in a rock band, and I wanted to make it big, uh, you know, and be a big rock star. And I would see bands like, um, you know, similar style. Like, I think the, the closest band that I would consider the style of band that I was in that actually made it really big would be like maybe Fall Out Boy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, we weren't as, as as good as they were because <laughs> we didn't we didn't make it. But of course, that's not that's not the the focal point. But that that was really what I wanted to do. I just love music so much, and it, it 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 was one of the very few things that clicked for me. And so, you know, going out of high school, it was just you know kind of ingrained in me that I was going to go to college, and I was very fortunate enough to be able to go to college. But I I. I live in Cincinnati. I picked two schools. I was like, all right, I'm just going to apply to the two local schools here. We'll see what happens. I got into both. Uh, and I did well in high school. So I got scholarships to both. And then I um, went to the one that was cheaper. Uh, that that was my decision-making process. Whereas my older brother researched like 50 different schools and had all the, he had all these lists and he was categorizing everything. And I was just much more nonchalant about it. 
because I wanted to be, to keep my band together. And that was the goal is we were going to, you know, try and, we never said we want to be the most famous rock stars ever, but we knew like, Hey, we want to get bigger and we want to grow. And, and, and that was kind of my first venture into marketing and understanding, you know, how do you, how do you make connections with people? How do you market uh, a brand or a band in this case? Anyway, uh, that when I got into college, I just had an undecided major. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I I don't, this isn't, it's not really what my main focus is, but I know, you know, it's good to have a degree to fall back onto. And eventually I, I, I ended up having an Asian studies major because I took Japanese for such a long time. And don't ask me to speak it now because I'm not fluent. Uh, Cause I never, I never had anyone and I never did any trips abroad where I could speak it fluently, but I chose Asian studies and because I'm like, what, what, what can I get out of school with? Like, what, what is the, sh- what are the least number of requirements I need and the shortest time that I can get out of school? So that was it. But it was during that period where I was feeling a pressing of, I think I need to stop focusing on school and really give full effort to my band, whether it was trying to, you know, do more work booking shows or, recording or whatever the case might be. Um, I was playing drums and, uh, and, and singing in the band that was drums has always been my first instrument, but I play a couple and I had decided to drop out of school and my now wife, my parents, everyone was like, don't do that. That's, I mean, my, my wife was supportive, but she's like, you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's probably the best idea, but she was supportive of what I wanted to do. And my dad like pleaded with me and he offered me all kinds of things like, I'll give you this when you graduate and I'll give you this right now if you stay in and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I want to do what, what I want to do. And I feel like I need to do this. I dropped out of school and that my school is on quarter still. I know most are, are on semesters now, but that quarter, the band broke up <laughs> and it felt like, it, it, it felt like a, a very big, I guess I would say embarrassment. And looking back now, of course, as I get older, I'm able to reframe things. And it was, it was exactly what I needed. It was a little bit of a, a kick in the pants to say like, maybe this is not your direction. And God had something different, you know, in store for me. So uh, my wife asked me like, well, what are you going to do now that you're, you know, your band broke up? And it was actually kind of the disillusion of several friendships. I found out maybe we weren't really as good of friends as we thought we were and we all lived together. And so a lot of that stuff changed. And I, I very vividly remember being in a, um, on an ice skating rink with my wife. She's like, uh, you know, my then girlfriend, she's like, well, what are you going to do now that you, you know, the band broke up? I'm like, I guess I'm just going to play music and figure it out. She's like, I don't think that's a good strategy. I think you need something a little bit more, more focused. And I ended up going back to school. I got my degree in Asian studies at the time. Again, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't really know what I had a calling to do. And I've been working at Starbucks. And so I just worked my, I was like, I'll just work my way up, you know, the, the corporate ladder started, you know, in stores barista and ended up becoming a store manager. And after I did that for about a year, I realized that I hated that job. And part of it was, was circumstantial because of the, um, some of the people that I work with, mostly my, my boss, I had a much more supportive boss, but then the, the one that came on 
she was she was very she was very sneaky and she was like trying to get people fired uh it was not an environment that i wanted to be in so i being a musician and and loving old gear i had sold product on on ebay and you know used gear and maybe gone to a pawn shop fixed something flipped it i loved old school synthesizers and things like that so drum machines whatever and so i'd, I'd flip that stuff and make money and i had a friend who was an accountant and he had started his own you know e-commerce business on ebay and amazon and it was really it was just reselling stuff you know going to a, a trade show in vegas like asd and saying hey i want to sell your products signing up and then you know selling them and the rest is the rest is history when was so this said, uh, this was back in uh, about 2010 and so I, I asked my buddy, hey, can, I need you to show me how to do this. And I understood how eBay, eBay worked, but he showed me, like, here's kind of the business model. Here's how this works. Um, there are a lot of things I missed in the beginning. Like one of the things that I forgot to factor in was profit. Kind of, kind of a big deal. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not a classically trained business person. I didn't go to business school. I knew I needed to charge a certain amount that I'd cost. But then I realized, oh, I actually have to turn a profit here. Um, that was a really big lesson I learned within the first couple months. But I did that for a year while I worked my full-time job and was able to, I, I, pretty much everything I've done, I've had to you know, build something while I was doing something else to bring in income just because mm-hmm. my, my wife and I both work and it's kind of life, it's a reality of life. I had to, you know, I couldn't just say, hey, I'm going to start fresh and I don't, I've never had, you know, venture capital or uh, you know, a big investment for someone to say, Hey, we're going to give you a million dollars. We're going to, don't worry. Like you're going to get a small salary, but whatever it was always, I have to work and I have to work to figure this thing out. So to speed through some of this, because it's not, it's not that interesting. I think I've told a lot of the interesting parts, but I did that for about a year and it was just eBay. And I was able to leave that, that job at Starbucks. And it felt so freeing the day that I walked out and I was like, I never want to work in a coffee shop again. Love coffee, but don't want don't want to go back to especially Starbucks. Uh, and I even had nightmares about that I was like back working in a coffee shop and like I'd failed and like I was like, oh, okay, great. Like I'm back in this coffee shop and I, I'm not pursuing you know my dreams anymore. But anyway, I went on to be you know focused on entrepreneurship full time. As soon as I left, I started selling on Amazon and things just exploded from there. And so this was in 2011. Everything was still very SEO based. The quality of images was not highly regulated. I mean, Amazon was the the three P side of things was 11 years old, but it was still in its infancy stages. There's no advertising platform. You basically, you know, look for products that uh, had high keyword volume, and then you'd resell things, um, and some, but then and hope that other people didn't start selling them. And so I did that for six years and I had uh, every single year had double digit growth. So it was, it was a very successful in that regard. And it was just me. And then I hired some part-time people to help me, um, local people to help me with listings, really shipping stuff. I didn't want to have to ship stuff anymore. I wanted to be focused on getting listings up and looking for new product and inventory and all that kind of stuff. And so learned a lot of things. I learned some business stuff at Starbucks, which was good, like what a profit and loss statement is. And, um, you know, learned kind of as I went, 
but I wasn't the best with money in that business. And I thought that, you know, credit cards were like loans and you could just put money on them and it was like free money. And, you know, you pay it back of course, but like, I didn't realize how much interest you pay and all, all of that compounded because when Amazon opened up the marketplace to Chinese sellers in 2015 and Amazon was my predominant channel, probably 70% of my business, but I sold on eBay, sold on Etsy. I uh, even sold on Sears, had a marketplace. I don't know if they still do, but um, I tried to, I sold on jet.com at one point. This is before, you know, pre-Walmart acquisition and tried it, tried everything, sold on my own website, uh, started a couple of brands. Um, you know, some of the things that I sold were kind of white labeled stuff. One of the brands I started was really its own. It was a standalone brand. And that was kind of towards the end of my e-commerce business uh, career. The brand was called Train by Fire and it was a, a fitness brand. We had this really cool timer that, you know, maybe like a, a, a hit high, you know, intensity training, uh, facility might use like a CrossFit facility, something like that Mm -hmm. would utilize. And Amazon opened up the marketplace to Chinese sellers and they started coming in in 2016 and selling, you know, a very similar product to ours because we were getting it manufactured in China for our costs. That didn't bode well for my business. I didn't have a lot of, you know, financial, I didn't, I didn't have a, you know, stored away savings to fall back onto. Um, and in 2016, you know, I saw really, really steep decline in my sales, like February, March, April. And basically from April to October, it was me freaking out, figuring out like, how do I, how do I fix this? How do I get this to work? Um, and, and eventually, you know, in September, October, when I knew everything was over, I went to my wife and said, Hey, I can't pay myself anymore. Um, like, you know, it's, it's, it's basically done. And she, and I didn't let her in on, on everything that had been going on. I was trying to, you know, be strong and, and figure stuff out and not, not burden her with stuff because I have to, I have to figure everything out on my own. That was my thought process. Mm -hmm. And that was a big relationship, uh, builder or, uh, uh, relationship lesson because, She's like, you should have told me way sooner, you know, now, like we're scrambling. Okay. I need to find some kind of work or something like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my business? I've still got, um, vendors that I owe. I still had all this stuff that was just piling up. And so 2016 was a very difficult year for me, but I would say it was the, one of the best things that ever happened to me, uh, because it got me into the service side of things and the service side of things is where I'm thriving. Uh, I'm loving it. I love serving clients. I love helping, having the knowledge that helps them to grow their brand that they're passionate about. And when I look back, I realized I was selling a lot of other products and I was, I was kind of passionate about the, you know, that train by fire brand, but there was, there was nothing that I was really super passionate about. And I become a little bit complacent. And there were a lot of things that looking back, I'm like, Oh, I would have done that differently. Like when FBA was really starting to, Amazon was really trying to push people into FBA, the the sellers, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Amazon's just trying to make more money. But I didn't realize the, you know, the fact that, okay, well, it's actually going to get your product more visible. It's going to be sold more. Uh, you're going to have higher sales. So if I had done that sooner, that could have been something that saved my business. But no, no regrets in that regard. I, um, I had to get another job in the meantime. 
but I very quickly said, okay, I, I had done a couple of consulting things. I'm going to try consulting freelancing. So like went on Upwork, tried to find some jobs, uh, went and looked for other freelance networks where there were jobs. Um, didn't get a ton of them, but I ran into my wife's uh, old boss and he had a coffee shop that he had asked me multiple times to help him with. Um, and I always said, no, well, I saw him again. It wasn't, you know, my business had was done, at least from a financial standpoint, there's still stuff I had to, to close out. And he offered me to, to come in, you know, work and help, help him create this coffee shop because it, it, it didn't really have a brand. It didn't really have an identity. It didn't need help. So I ended up saying yes. And so I felt like, oh my gosh, I've, I've, my worst nightmare has happened. I'm back working in a coffee shop and it was an independent coffee shop this time. It was a, it was a much different experience, but it was definitely tough because, you know, there was not a support system. If someone didn't show up, I was, I was on the hook, you know, to, to, to work or, or to do something, but I got more experience working on building a brand and uh, I was able to start taking on projects, more one-off projects as a freelancer, like, um, okay, I'm going to help you create a better listing. Okay. I'm going to help you, um, I, you know, the advertising platform had launched uh, before I stopped selling. Uh, and I, I could go back and look at those campaigns now and they're like, so, you know, elementary, but it had just opened up and it just started. That was like kind of my, I knew a little bit about uh, AdWords and Google Analytics because of sending, you know, business to my website. And that helped really, I was able to parlay the, that skill set into helping other people. So I took on really general e-commerce work, but I quickly realized within from like October to January, I was like, there's a lot of Amazon work. I'm going to go for that. Found a freelance agency that started feeding me a lot of work and quickly realized if I want to grow this, I'm going to have to start scaling. And so I started hiring people. I already you know, was familiar with creating SOPs for my e-commerce business. So I just started doing the same thing for my you know, what, what was the beginning of me building an agency? Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was building an agency until I, I, I had already built it. And I was like, Oh, I have an agency. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I was still doing a lot of other projects, but was, you know, after about a year to a year or two, I was really able to focus on building and growing my agency cartology. But in that, in that time period, I had worked at this coffee shop for 11 months and it was really grueling and was, was doing, uh, up to, you know, 30 hours of freelance work a week uh, near the end. And so it was really, really tough year, similar to the, the tough year I had when I was, you know, working at Starbucks and trying to build this e-commerce business. Um, so there's some parallels there, but the, the best part about what happened is it got me to think like, maybe, maybe how I envisioned my future being was not the way it was going to be. That God had a different plan for me. And he's like, Hey, Michael, I want you to do something else. And I'm really passionate about serving people and being of help and being of use and being, you know, encouraging. And so that's become the mission statement for Cartology, which is to serve. And the way that we serve people is we help them to, to grow their brands and get them profitable on Amazon. I mean, that's, you know, in, in a nutshell. But the team that I have, we're 100% remote company. We didn't, uh, we started that way from the beginning because, uh, you know, there was a lot of talent that was in the Philippines. And so I started hiring people 
uh, from the Philippines to help work with me and then started finding out, oh, there's like people in Europe and there's people in the US and there's people all over that have these, you know, these different skill sets and was able to hire them. And along the way, was able to build this really cool culture of serving and what that meant and what that looked like. And I've got such an incredible team right now that, you know, when I was, was out at Prosper and, and, and you know, uh, met you, uh, I didn't have to worry about if clients were going to be taken care of. Like they're, they're already doing it. Um, they're the ones that are creating the great success stories. So now I can go out and talk to, to new prospects and say, hey, we can help you. We can help you grow your brand. We want to help you. And here's what we've been able to do. And I've been able to build this culture of, of, of people who, you know, have freedom and flexibility to live their lives, but also are passionate about serving people on Amazon. And, that, and that's been the coolest thing. And I never, that never would have happened had I, you know, just been selling product or continue trying to, to build different brands. And, and, I, and I thought that brand building was over for me, but I ended up building a brand with my agency, with Cartology. Uh, I have a personal brand, you know, essentially that, that I've uh, built putting out content on LinkedIn. And I am now looking at other ways to build brands instead of just taking them on as clients, you know, what brands can we build or can, can we help build a brand by uh, doing a wholesale model? Again, I'm just kind of open to more opportunities because they're, the field is so ripe with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And uh, even though if I <laughs> ask for a short story, I like that you actually go on like long and explain everything. I think it's important. That was my three to five minutes story. That's <laughs> we are 21 minutes on. By yeah. the way. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that. And I actually, we, before like starting the episode, you we were talking about exactly this, like somehow people are trying to show you all the benefits or all the good things or so on. And I love that you were open about your story and said, look, this is not all rosy or it's not what everyone else is experiences, you know? And um, even though if uh, the episode took a bit different uh, take at this point, I think it's very important what you said, because um, as I was saying, most people are really like unrealistic whenever they are coming into e-commerce, they are coming yeah. into like becoming agency owners, they are coming into all this, like everyone is like saying how cool that is and how big that is and how like proud they are that they are the founders and CEO of something, you know? Right. And I, I love that you- We're going to charge a lot of money and we're going to get all these clients. It's going to yeah. be so easy and it's not exactly. like that at all. Exactly. And I, and, um, I also want to touch base a, a bit on that. So transitioning from a PL brand owner to an agent to becoming an agency owner. Um, I think first thing that I would love to hear you, um, your thoughts on what was the transition, but sm- more specifically, okay. When we were talking about serving, you were serving, like you were served as a, as a PR brand owner, but now as an agency, now you're sir. So there, what are a few of your wins or failures or something that you can help with like other new brand agency owners just realized that, Hey, this is not really like everyone uh, told you about, or does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, uh, yeah it does. So yeah. how do you bridge the gap if you're a seller and you want to start your own agency or you want to, you know, kind of build your own consultancy out? With being realistic, because what you, I love the, about your story that you were realistic, you know? And I, when I had to be realistic, so I was kind yes. of into the service yes. side, I say forced, 
because my hand was forced. I couldn't continue selling. I didn't have the capital to do that. But I quickly said, okay, I have a skill set that I can use. I even like applied to other jobs. I was like, I'll work, you know, two years at some company and uh, learn more about the advertising field. And then I'll go and, and start my own uh, business or whatever the case might be. But no one, no one responded back. You know, I, I think I filled out like 130 applications and one person offered me a, an entry level job that I had much more knowledge about and they wanted me um, to move uh, further north. And my wife, you know, made significantly more than me. And it was like, yeah, we're not moving for this job that doesn't, you know, like this entry level job that doesn't pay a lot when my, my wife's job is, is great. And so um, I, I had, I had to be flexible and I had to be realistic, but was also kind of growing spiritually at that time and, and learning to reframe things. So I'm thankful that I had that time because it's changed my perspective on, 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 on things. But w- when it comes to, you know, getting into building an agency, I think you have to know, you have to be very clear, what's my model? One, am I going to be bootstrapped? Am I going to do this on my own? Uh, or am I going to try to start something, get people to invest in me and, and start growing and scaling? Those are two very different, uh, you know, models of business. And the first one or the former, it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of time to, to grow and build that up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I did was I, you know, initially kind of pitched my services at a lower, it was all hourly work. So I pitched my services at a, at a some, somewhat reasonable hourly rate. And I thought, okay, I want to see how good I, I can be at this. And so the better I got, the more I said, okay, I can raise my prices now. And so I can earn more. And I would say there were many times in the first couple years that I felt we could raise prices and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And that held my company from being more profitable or earning more money. But at the same time, did we, did we have people saying yes to, the the projects that we were pitching or the prices that we were pitching there there's this sweet spot of are you networked enough to to really know and go after the brands that that have the money to pay what you're worth now a lot of people might have a high price but they're not worth it sometimes when you go that uh, and and I don't know from personal experience but from what I've seen when you go that investor route you you have to bring on a lot of talent sometimes talent that doesn't necessarily know, and especially in this Amazon space, know how to, like how many people are experienced sellers that are now like, Hey, I want to work in an agency. How many people are just crossovers that, that, you know, we're doing AdWords advertising or account management or working at, you know, on Shopify stores or whatever the case might be, maybe just working as an account manager somewhere else. And they're having to, to get the ropes of Amazon. But I would say, um, so in, in that second model, it, it can be really easy to just take on a lot of clients and, and, you know, you're not so much worried about being profitable, but I had to, you know, upfront be very clear about profitability because if I wasn't profitable, I didn't have anything to, to fall back on. Like that was the business model. So, but I would say one of the, one of the things that you can do is really assess what your, you feel like you're, you're worth and then go out and see what other people are charging for that. And you, you might realize that you're undercharging for your services. And if you're worth 50 bucks an hour, only take on the projects that are 50 bucks an hour. You don't have to settle 
and take on something for 25 an hour. I mean, here, here's the reality. Sometimes you take on a project because you're like, I don't have anything else coming in. I need to just generate some revenue. And so I'm worth more, but I, but I have to bring some money in. So I'm going to take this. But really, I needed to start building the Cartology brand earlier so that people could see, hey, we're here's what we're going to help you do. Because it started as just myself and a team of people. And yeah, we were an agency, but there was no... The agency wasn't like standalone. It was it was me. It was me as the you know the front man of the of the agency. And what I've done in the past couple of years, and I'm still working on doing, is having Cartology. It's its own separate entity. It's not like uh, you know people know that I own and run Cartology, but they don't expect me to work on their accounts. They don't expect me to um, you know be in the day to day stuff because Cartology is an entity of itself. So I would say work on being very clear about how are you helping people? What entity are you doing that under? If you want to build an agency, if you want to be a solo practitioner, that's totally different. And you could, you know, take on as many projects as you want. You could just, you know, change your prices and say, you know, Michael Marr Consulting or Michael, you know, Michael Marr LLC, whatever the case may be. Uh, and and you'll, you'll likely hit a maximum because there's only so much you can do on, on your own. But maybe you're okay with that, and that's fine. So, so also when you're when you're going bootstrap, determine: Do I want to be a you know a well-paid solo practitioner? Do I even want to build an agency? Building an agency from scratch is something I've never done before. I tend to like doing things I've never done before, and I always picture myself with like a machete out in the out in the jungle, just like hacking through things. Like, okay, I'm going to figure this out, and that's really where I thrive. If if it's super easy, or you know, I'm just walking. I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I, I want more, more, more challenge here. And I like to be out in front and kind of figuring out like, okay, I think we need to go this way. And I'm okay to say, Hey, I was wrong. We need to turn back around and, and, and go do this thing. Um, that's helped me become a better leader, but know if you really want to build an agency or not, or be a solo practitioner. And then as you grow your agency, be very clear on the agency. What is the agency doing and how are they providing that and come up with case studies, that's one of the biggest things I think that helps sell. People want to know, okay, you know, what what brands have you worked with? And it's okay, well, it's not a necessarily we haven't worked with any big brands because that's not our target market. But here, here are the clients that we've worked with, and here's what we're able to do. Uh, real numbers, you know, how many how, if you're were working in advertising, how much how many impressions did you decrease? increase uh was the amount of impressions you increase what percentage over what period of time the clicks the click-through rate the ad spend the ad sales the the ROAS all that stuff be very clear about showing that and you know maybe have some visuals of the brand uh, you know as long as the brand owner is cool with you doing that but have those case studies and have that be a part of your um you know discover and, and propo- discovery and proposal process um being uh you know, being able to to say my this agency does this. I I run the agency, but like the agency is its own standalone thing. Solidify that and solidify what your niche is. If it's we're helping you with with operations and we're not you know we're not super expensive because we've been able to come up with a software that helps us to do this. And so whatever the case might be, or hey, we're really service focused and so we're high price because we spend a lot of time with you. Um, but here's how we're going to help you and here's how we're going to help grow you. And the more you define that, 
I, you know, you value proposition is, is what you call it. the more you define that the, the closer you get to the people who, and, and the, and the louder you shout that message, like, here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. And it's just repeating stuff over and over again on social media channels or in person in networking events, whatever the case might be, that that's when you actually start getting closer to your market and creating content is really, you know, I think sometimes it's scary for people. I, you know, back in 2019, I had already been creating content on LinkedIn, but saw people doing video. And I was like, okay, I'm not really used to filming myself and, and doing video, but I just decided to, I said, everyone else is doing it. I have to do it. So I got started and my videos sucked for like first six months and that was okay. Uh, but I at least got practice. I started to network some people, started to, to, to build some growth there. And now, you know, I've gotten to a place where I've got a really defined voice. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I'm okay to experiment with different visuals and I know where my lanes are, but it took a little while to figure it out. So like, you know, a lot of people are worried about things being perfect. And so they don't take that first step. And I would just say, you know, to take the first step, be okay with creating something bad and, but know that at least you're creating and you can always, you know, improve from there, but just be willing to, to, to learn from that. So when you're building your agency, set those guidelines of here's what we're, here's our value prop. Here's what this agency does. Here's what this agency is all about. And then as you go along, make sure you're, you know, you're talking to your clients and saying, okay, well, why did you, why did you even come to us in the first place? And, and what are you seeing? What is your, the upside for you here? And if you're hearing people say something different than what you are telling people your value prop is, you need to change that because that's not actually what you're doing. And if, and if, you're, if you're making money doing the things that the clients feel that you're doing, that's who you need to go after, those people who want those, those same things. So you might say, hey, you know, we're you know, a, a full service agency. But people are like, you guys are just great at advertising. And that's really uh, where the strong point is. You might say, hey, we need to drop the full service and we need to focus on advertising. And that's where we're going to, um, that's where, where we're going to go forward. So just listen to your customers and even probe them for questions. Um, even prospects that, that didn't sign with you uh, say, hey, you know, would you mind telling me like, I, I want to grow, I want to get better. Why, what was the reason you chose not to sign with us and, and go with someone else um, and be willing to, to just make quick changes on the fly. And I think that's like Amazon. You have to, things change very, very quickly. So you have to be able to make changes on the fly, be able to do the same thing with your, your value prop, uh, yeah. but, but state it at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I also loved all the golden nuggets that you just threw, threw there. Um, my personal takeaway here, because like I'm also, as you were saying, you trend to, give all the services that you are knowledgeable like you you know how to do it you know i think also that was my case first when i was like okay we're just building an agency and i'm a seller so i know all the pain points of the sellers you know yeah. and i'm able to help them with everything however my expertise is ppc and listing optimization you know and there are not not so many uh people or agencies on the market who are offering only these two you know and it was like this should be the focus and then it can be something else as well, you know, but first like make sure that you have one focus point and then build on that. Is this also what you were uh, saying, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're great at advertising, you know, push that as your service. And as yeah. you go along, say with your clients, as you build trust with them, Hey, the listing actually, if it's a better quality than 
we can't then, you know, our ads are going to convert better. So, you know, let, you know, I, here's an upsell, create it, create an upsell. I, you know, we can create a new listing for a hundred dollars, $200, whatever the case might be, test stuff, figure stuff out with those clients, build trust. And then you can start to build out those other offerings. Um, you know, hiring and finding the right people is a bitch. I mean, I just straight up, it is tough. It is difficult to find good people. And I think one of the, one of the biggest things when you're deciding to be an agency owner and you're like, okay, I'm going to be bootstrapped. I'm just going to start this thing from scratch. You have to, you have to check yourself and say, am I okay with going a little bit slower pace and seeing slower growth? It's, it's really easy to look at the companies that are like hit seven figures in, in two years or, um, you know, reached 5 million uh, in five years. It's really easy to see those people and get discouraged because you're like, oh, well, I'm only at 100,000 in year two. If you started at, you know, 40,000 last year and you're 100,000 this year, that's a, that's a huge improvement, but you have to be willing to say, okay, maybe I, if I don't have capital to invest in my business, I have to be, and, and I don't want to ruin the quality of the service that I have. I have to be really particular about who I bring on, um, or I have to be willing to try a lot of people and find who fits, um, but not bring on, you know, people that could ruin your brand, your brand integrity, once you've stated that value prop and who you are, because then people can, you know, go out and badmouth you. And there will, there will always be people that, that badmouth you, but you want your brand to have integrity you want your agency to be someone that, you know, is actually helping people and people can say like the, the best thing that you can do for your business is, is, is build a great referral system. And you do that by telling your clients, your prospects that become clients. My goal is to create, to get referrals from you and tell them straight up and say, we want to do such a great job that you're like, hey, we know this other brand owner, we know this other brand owner. And with all of the aggregators that are in the space or private equity businesses that are building portfolios of brands, you do well on one brand, they talk with the other brand owner, with the other brand owner. That's been really successful for us. So, you know, really giving it your all on certain projects. And maybe that means your, your growth is a little bit slower this, this year, but you, you really provide the results and you know, get paid for it, but really provide the results and start to build out those team and, and make sure that you're, you know, you've got your, your, your players that really perform well with the clients. And as you bring on new people, um, build them up and let them don't like, I, I've seen a lot of people who just bring in an account manager and like, here's your new account manager, go. And the account manager has no rapport. You don't know how they're going to work with people. You don't know if they're the right fit. Like those relationships with clients are really, really key. And if you're, if you're, if you're backed by capital, you can lose some clients because you've got, you know, people in the business development department that are bringing on new clients. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a smaller agency, you can't afford to lose those clients. So you want to, you want to start with them and you want to grow them and keep them. And they're, they'll be your best advocates. I have people now when we take on, your clients are like, you know, do you have some references we can talk to? I'm like, yep, I know these two or three people. Uh, I'm going to send them your way. I've already talked to them and said, hey, you know, would, would you mind being references for us for other people if they want to talk to them? And that's 
the work that we've done for them and the relationship we built with them has helped us to earn new clients. So building your resume out, make sure that you're actually taking care to do what you say you're going to do, but value those relationships and don't cast your pearls before swine. So what I mean by that is if you hire someone new, don't just throw them into the belly of the beast with the client, have them shadow someone else, have them, um, you know, have them shadow you and what you're doing and be okay to say, Hey, I'm going to maybe take a little bit of a profit decrease because I'm now paying someone who's not, I'm not able to necessarily bring on new revenue with and just prep your team for that. But, you know, once they're ready to go, then you can start assigning them to new accounts on their own and you know, they're going to do a good job and that they're going to keep those relationships. Cause the worst thing that can happen is for you to hear clients say like, yeah, I'm just not really happy with the service because so-and-so is not doing what, what, what we asked them to do when that person on your team is like, yeah, we got this covered. Don't worry about Mm -hmm. it. And it turns out they're not really doing it. So value and guard those relationships and make sure that people that are on your team who you're bringing on because hiring is so difficult, make sure that they're worthy of, of coming into the fold of those relationships. Brilliant, Michael. This was an absolute pleasure. And to be super respectful of your time before we're wrapping up, a few questions I'd love to ask my guests. First yeah. of them being, um, if you could choose to have a superpower, which one would be and why? I, I think it would be uh, teleportation. I love to travel. And I would love to be able to just say, on the beach in South Carolina, um, never been, but in Tuscany, boom, like I'm there. I, it, that would be, and like, I love the traveling process, but to be able to just say like, I'm somewhere right away that, I don't know, that just seems like it would be the coolest thing. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. Um, what is your favorite dark? Wait, once again, let's, let's have some coffee and then I repeat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Coffee's there always, coffee is always like, brings up the wood. So what is a $50 or less investment you recently made that had your business grow? $50 or less investment. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, I will say $50 or less investment. I'm really trying to think about, um, about this. You know what I, what I will say is um, if you were to, to go out with someone and, and buy them a meal, now I may, the investment was a little over $50, but if you go out and you buy, you buy their drinks or buy them a meal, like you're, you're instantly creating a, a um, an atmosphere of fr- almost like friendship. And you're, and you're saying, Hey, like I, thanks. I appreciate your time and I care about your time. And so I'm, I'm willing to buy your coffee or if you go and buy a drink, buy their drink or their dinner or whatever the case might be. Um, so I've definitely done that. Um, I, I don't know if I've done that in the past, you know, two weeks, but I bought coffee for people and it's something that has endeared them to me. And, you know, they're more willing, I think to, to go out, not because they're expecting me to get coffee, but they're just like, Hey, this person values my, values my time. Definitely. I love that. Um, what are your top three favorite books and why? Okay. So my, my first favorite book 
um, is my utmost for his highest. And it is the a devotional by this guy named Oswald Chambers. I mean, I guess technically I, I would maybe have to say the Bible, but I say this. You book, can, you definitely can say. But, say but I say this book because it helps me better understand what I'm actually reading there. And it helps me to, to, to really uh, pierce down into myself and question myself and say, am I really doing what I say that I'm supposed to be doing? So um, you said it's called devotional or? It's called my utmost for his highest. My utmost for his highest. Sorry. And it's all about giving your utmost for, for God's highest. One of the other, one of my other, other favorite books uh, is called, um, it's by Thomas Sowell and it's called Conflict of Visions. And it talks about how the world is filled with two types of people. And you, when you read the book, he, he has a very specific political stance and, and socioeconomic stance, but he, this book is so bipartisan because he says, look, there, there are t- people will view the way, world in two ways. And usually it's not one or the other totally, um, but it's the constrained view and the unconstrained. And the, the basic difference between that is that the people that view the world constrained is they, they say, okay, the, the world's limited, it has resources, there, there's always going to be, you know, no, nothing's ever going to be perfect, so we're just going to have to do the best with, with what we have. And the unconstrained view of the world is everything needs to be perfect, we have to make it perfect, and we can't compromise until everything is exactly how we need it to be. And that book helped me to realize where I sat on the spectrum, and also how to easily identify where other people sat on the spectrum so I could avoid conversations or really arguments that I knew wouldn't go anywhere and that wouldn't be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, that was a great book. And then a book that I'd read recently, um, it was called invitation to solitude and silence. And, uh, actually, you know what, a better, a better book than that, I think was called experiencing God. It was by, um, Henry Blackaby, Henry and Richard Blackaby. And, uh, obviously faith is something that's very important to me, but, it helped me to find freedom in that there, there's a lot of religion that ruins the spirituality side and developing who you are, your, uh, your, yourself. And, and, um, I've had scars from, you know, churches that, you know, there was gossip or whatever the case might be. It just was not a, a healthy environment. And so frustrating because that's not really what it's, that's not what really, um, you know, being being a christian or following god jesus whatever you want to say is is really about it's not about that it's about knowing god and it's about being obedient it's real that those are really the the only two things and people get caught up in all these other things and it's religion that that ends up messing it up and so that experiencing god was was great because it helped me to say okay i don't have to do these you know xyz or do these other things and it's about a lot of it's about testing and, and trying which is really a lot Maybe that's why I like Amazon so much is because there's a lot of testing and experimentation. You, kind of, you, you have to kind of figure it out as you go. That's totally true. Yeah, that's how it is. Real life story, right? Real life story, yeah. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of you, say hello to you, and find out more about cartology and the services that you offer? So you can go to our website. It's thinkcartology.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think our name is Think Cartology, but the goal was... If you need help with Amazon, think Cartology. So thinkcartology.com. Um, you can also find me on 
LinkedIn. I put out content on there regularly and I, you know, will respond to direct messages. Um, my, uh, it's my URL is like, you know, it's always linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash I'm Michael Marr is mine, but you can just, you know, look, look me up and, and find me and match my face. Um, but I'm really active on there. And if you want to email me, my email is michael at thinkcartology.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, like uh, Noemi says, I, I, uh, or said, I do run a podcast called The Long Game. So feel free to, to search for that. Go to thelongergame.com and you can le- listen and hear where we talk about the future of retail and, and what that looks like. Um, any of those places would be, would be good places to, to find me. Or if you see me and you recognize me, come up and say hi to me. That would be that would be great. That's one place you could find me is in person. I, I would love that. And I would love to talk with you. Maybe, maybe buy a drink, maybe buy a cup of coffee. Who knows? That's the ultimate. Isn't it cool when some whenever someone comes to you and says, I know you, and they're listening to your stuff. And it's like they're going to like tell about all the recent podcast episodes and how it affected you. And it's like, yeah, that's why we are doing it, guys. You know, so you can learn and you can learn from our mistakes. Now don't be like, a- like Yes. Yeah. Don't be afraid to, to go up to someone and say, Hey, I listened to this thing or I saw this thing. Like that's super yeah. encouraging for me to know. Um, you know, sometimes people lurk on LinkedIn, but they'll send me a message and say, Hey, I loved your post about this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's like, okay, I know that I'm, I'm doing the right things. I don't need a lot of confirmation, but that's helpful to know that someone was impacted uh, positively. And it's not that I only <laughs> want to impact one person, but if I know that someone's getting something from it in the direction that I'm taking while I'm, you know, helping, you know, provide for my family, then it's a win-win for me. Definitely. Amen to that brother. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> Amen, <Yeah. sister. laughs> Definitely. So my dear listener, thank you so, so much for listening as as if you're a frequent listener of the podcast, you know that usually we are not talking about this stuff. We're not talking about agencies. We're not talking about this side. However, why I found it's so important to have Michael also on, on this episode because we are sharing some common grants. And also for you as an Amazon seller, it's very important to know first off how to relate to agencies from now on so you can understand them and also can actually get things done the way that you think should be done or at least have a better understanding is that possible to be done as you want it to be done right so thank you so so much once again michael and as i was saying my dear listener don't forget to chime in next week because i'll be back